Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. My guest today is an inspiring speaker and author. You will probably know who he is as soon as I tell you what the story is, because everybody knows the story. On uh, January 15th, 2009, there was a flight, U.S. Airways 1549, that is probably better known as the miracle on the Hudson. Uh, this, this story was featured in a major motion picture that came out recently called Sully about uh, the captain who successfully landed that plane on the Hudson River. My guest today is Dave Sanderson. He was aboard that plane and was the last passenger to exit as he helped other people to get off of that plane. And I'm so excited, Dave, to talk to you today at Live on Purpose Radio. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be with you and your audience today. You were on that plane. And I wasn't supposed to be on that plane. That's the backstory of the backstory, which I I share sometimes, But because I was scheduled to be on the five o'clock flight home that night. Um, And that day we were working in a distribution center in Brooklyn, New York, and my job as a sales manager and I don't know if anybody here is listening has ever been or even worked inside of a distribution center, but they normally open up very early in the morning. This mm-hmm. one opened at 2 o'clock in the morning to get the day started. So we started our day at 5 a.m. because we wanted to be there with all the action going on, the, 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 you know, the trucks coming in, the loads going out, because we were doing system checks. So mm-hmm. we, we started our day at 5, so we got done about 10. And I, I was the end of a three-day business trip starting down in Sarasota, Florida, and ending up in Brooklyn. So I wanted to get home to my wife and four kids. So that's when I called the travel agent about 10 o'clock that morning, and she put me on flight 1549. So I truly believe that I was supposed to be on that plane for a reason. Well, and it's interesting, as you introduced that little segment, Dave, you said you weren't supposed to be on that flight, or were you? Right, exactly right. I think I was supposed to be on that plane, and somebody, whatever, whatever you would call him, God or the creator, they wanted me on that plane for a reason. Isn't that interesting? And it's easy to interpret sometimes the events in our life as being out of order or it's, this isn't what was supposed to happen. But as you have reflected on this, and I've, I've looked into your message a little bit, you know, as I was reviewing your website, it became clear to me very quickly that you have taken a position about this event that you were supposed to be there for whatever reasons, or if they're cosmic or spiritual or whatever they are. You were supposed to be there. Can you help us out with that a little bit? What, how did you come to that? Well, I think that belief started happening, of course, shortly thereafter. But it, it really emanated from a, a discussion I had from my previous pastor, who's now the bishop of the United Methodist Church in Florida. And, and we were, uh, and the way it really came, the backstory of that is I was invited to speak on 9-11 that year. Um, 
in Charlotte, which was a big day. As we know, 9-11 is a very solemn day in the country. Mm-hmm. I was going to be speaking, and they had military and police and all these, and I invited my minister to be with me. He mm-hmm. never heard me speak in public. He heard me speak in the church, but never in public. So I got done speaking, and we were walking back to the car together, and he was, I think, pretty blown away. I mean, this, and he, he told me a couple of things. He said, number one, he said, you have a speaking ministry. This is what you were called to do. Mm-hmm. He also said that, he said, and I went back to look in the Bible, and it was. He said, you were put in that position for a reason, just like Esther was put in that position for a reason. You came to that, that moment in time because you were called to be in that moment in time. And that's when I started putting things together. I'm like, yeah, I know I was supposed to be on there for a reason, but maybe I was supposed to be on there on that for a reason. Because maybe, like, same story with Esther in the Bible, right? Esther didn't know why she was being called. Mm-hmm. But she was called to be there for that position for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. I think there was a bigger meaning to it. So I, that's how I came to that thought process and sort of said, you know what? I was, and I'm going to, I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to take it out and share it wherever I can share it at. And every day I, I pray to my creators, just give me one more opportunity to share it. You know, some, somebody else you may need to hear this message. Uh, I'm glad you're sharing it with uh, the live on purpose family today, because this is right in line with what we love to talk about. There's some principles that you learned Dave, and I want to get to those in just a little bit. I think that that I and probably a lot of our listeners are eager to to hear the story. Can you give us at least the 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 version that you like to share with people just to create the context? I'll give you the 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 shorter version. So okay, I I wasn't supposed to be on the plane. I was one of the first people to board the plane because of my status with U.S. Airways. I was a top tier because I traveled so much. Right. So I would see 15A, and like everybody, I didn't pay attention to instruction. I was reading the magazine, and so about 60 seconds after we took office, when I heard the explosion, it sort of caught my attention. I looked out the window, and then I saw fire coming out from the left wing. Ugh. So I knew something had happened, but I fly so often, I think plane lost an engine. No big deal. It really didn't startle me, but I tell people, I think that's when God's grace really entered for the first moment, because no one on that plane knew, except for the captain, and Captain Skiles and Captain Solmer knew. What happened on the left side of the plane where I was sitting also happened on the right side of the plane, but more on the bigger picture, it happened simultaneously. It wasn't a boom, boom. It was a boom. So it happened at the same exact moment. So everybody thought we got another engine and we're going back to LaGuardia. So I think that's, that was God's grace because no one panicked. No one shouted out. Everybody thought, okay, we got another, we're just turning around and go back. But we didn't, couldn't see. He was actually not turning around to go to LaGuardia. He was turning around to go down the Hudson River. And he didn't say anything. I mean, you know, at that point, still, I, I wasn't that concerned because I thought we'd go back to the airport until he crossed over the George Washington Bridge. And I looked out the window, and people's faces were looking up, and we were looking down. And he cleared the bridge by about 400 feet, and the bridge is roughly 600 feet up. So you're roughly a thousand feet at that point in time. And that's the moment, as you saw the movie Sully, he was very accurate on that. That's when he said his famous words This is your captain brace for impact. And that's when I, and I think everybody else on the plane knew at that point. I used the word in my first interview on, on CBS, I used the word serious. And then I heard him say it was dire. And I said, okay, I'll adopt his word because dire is a little more impactful than serious. Uh-huh. But uh, it was a dire situation. And it was roughly 60 seconds after he crossed over the George Washington is when he crashed into the river. And, and it was a hard hit. And that's why I try to explain to people. It wasn't one of those nice, smooth landings. And he hit it perfectly. He had to because it could have been a holy situation. But it was a hard hit. He hit a roughly, well, I heard him say between 100, 120 miles an hour. 
So he was going 100 plus miles an hour when he hit. So when he hit, I went up in my seat and back in my seat. And when I came up and I opened my eyes, I saw a light coming through the window. So I knew I had a shot to get out, but I wasn't out because now we saw the plane landed. The water, you know, the water started coming in immediately because the bottom of the plane was stripped off when he hit. And oh, then someone wow. actually did listen to the flight crew, went to that closest exit, which may be behind you, and tried to open up that door. So now you got water coming in from underneath the plane and from the back of the plane. So now water is anywhere from ankle to waist deep immediately, depending wow. on the plane. So the front, front of the plane was more like it was sort of the nose was still up. So the front of the plane had like ankle deep. We had waist to knee deep water. Where I was sitting was about knee, knee, knee deep water immediately. Mm. So at that point in time, my game plan, uh, Dr. Paul, was get up, get up to the aisle and get out. That was it. Right. When I got to the aisle, something happened that, that changed the whole situation for me. It's my mother kicked into my head who, and my mom passed away in 1997, but there was something she would tell me when I was a child. It just sort of just came to me at that moment. I heard her say, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. Mm. One of the great things I tell about my mom, which I didn't realize until after all this played out is, you know, my mom would never tell us what to do. She would give us a choice. She'd make us make a choice. And based on our values and principles, we make the choice. And, you know, I could have easily just made the choice to get out. But my background and my upbringing was I always, I grew up in you know, Southwest Ohio and I was in, in, in Northern Virginia and I always had a group of guys that I hung with. Mm-hmm. I always had that, that crew, right? And one thing about the people I hung with, we always had each other's backs. Whatever situation, we had each other's backs. So that's right. why I went towards the back of the plane at that point to see if anybody needed help because I knew I was alive. I didn't know anybody else back there what was going on. So I, I climbed back to the back of the plane, and there was one elderly lady. You saw the movie. It was accurate. Uh, an elderly lady in the back had a little challenge getting out, and two women were doing a great job of getting her up and moving. So I got behind them, and then I was the last passenger out. So as I was making my way up the aisle, you know, you got to remember not only did some of the seats break back because of the fact the bins had broken open and luggage just flown out, and you're waist deep in the water. And so every wow. time I took a step, I hit something. I ran into something. And at that point, I couldn't see whether it was a piece of luggage or a body. But all the further I could get up was 10F on the right side. So I said, the first thing I saw was 10F. I said, I'm out of here. So I went to the door to jump out on the wing like everybody else. And then I looked out, and there was no room on the wing or the boat for me. Mm. So that's why I was in the plane, wasting 36 degree water for about seven minutes. And I was holding on to the lifeboat because no one else knew either. No one else reached the instructions. Who reached the instructions? That boat is tethered to the plane, but they didn't know that because the plane was actually floating down the river. It actually floated down the Hudson River about a half a mile in 24 minutes. Oh, so yeah. that little lifeboat kept going down from the plane because of the current. So that's why I was holding on to the plane on the little boat inside the plane, waist deep in 36 degree water for about, about seven minutes. And that's that's how I started, got to motion to get out, but I still wasn't out yet. Mm. Wow. I'm sure there was a lot going through your mind. It sounds like that when you said something, something clicked, something switched for you. It's like survival mode. And this is natural. The psychology behind it, your brain is trying to take care of you. It's like that fight or flight response, you know, do what you have to, to survive. And then something clicked in that said, Hey, I'm alive. I'm good. (laughs) Right. And then to do the right thing is your mom told you you realize there are other people that might need your help, your service. Yeah. And the right thing is, is totally, I mean, everybody else has a different definition of the right thing. Right. I know some people 
on the plane and I don't judge them. They got out because they were told to get out. Right. Right. They did what they were told. So they took instruction. Yeah. I had the option to make a choice and the choice I made is, you know, just check out anybody needed help. So, you know, that, I mean, and I, and I tell people, some people say, well, how can they just get out and not help people? I said, I didn't say they didn't help people. I just said they, they made a different decision than I did. You know, maybe right. they didn't hear that voice in their head, right? Maybe they had, maybe they had a fight, flight or fight, you know, different situation. I don't know their background, which was a big change in my life. One of the big changes in my life, Dr. Paul, was my change of worldview after this, my white perspective. Mm. You know, a lot of people judged a lot of people. And I figured I, one of the things I learned out of this whole situation, and it came out of being on Good Morning America, was I have no basis to judge anybody because I don't know people's backstories. I don't know where they're coming from, their mindset. So right. I, I should, and I said, how many times in my life have I judged people quickly? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the backstory. Maybe maybe I was at fault. Maybe I wasn't, but maybe I was at fault. So one of the things I, I do now is I try not to judge immediately. I, I try to get to know the situation, and then okay, I say make make maybe make a judgment, but. And now I don't judge people immediately when I see them. It's like black, white, purple. It doesn't matter. Gay, straight. It doesn't matter because now I've got to understand the person's background, which changed dramatically. Everything opened up in my life at that point. Relationships opened up to, excuse me, to a different level, which I never had before. Yeah. We call that a paradigm shift. Yep. So it's like your whole worldview. Right. changes as you realize that there are some things that are more important than the things that maybe you thought were important before. Right. right. Most definitely. And I look back at my, my grandfathers and they had, they grew up in the early 1900s, right? So they had a different view of things and yeah. they thought things. And uh, one of the things I realized after this also, Dr. Paul, is I was growing and living sort of the way my father did things. You know, he went to work, mm-hmm. he made the money, my mom stayed home, right? And that was the model of the world. That, uh, you know, I grew up in. So I was pretty much doing the same thing because I was going out, making the money. My wife was doing what she had to do. But all of a sudden I realized, you know, I don't have to live my dad's model of the world. You know, maybe that was right. fine for the 60s, but I've got a whole different situation. I can impact people a whole different way. And maybe more, more, most people I can impact is my family. And that changed right. my, my priority likewise, to scheduling family first before business, which I did not do up to that mm. point. I, I admit, and that's that probably challenged and strained a lot of relationships in my family. Wow. Sometimes one moment in time can change everything. Dave, you've set this up so beautifully for us to talk about some of the principles that you learned. As we get back from this from this break, let's dig into what some of those principles are. Folks, this is Dave Sanderson at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back, folks. This is Dave Sanderson at Live On Purpose Radio today, who survived, not only survived, but um, how shall I put this, Dave? 
They had a life-changing, life-altering, worldview, paradigm-shifting experience at the Miracle on the Hudson. That phrase probably means more to you than it does to anybody else. There was a miracle on the Hudson that day because your life was changed. And that has allowed you to show up in a very different way in how you interact with, with your family, with your clients, with with uh, the people that you train on leadership skills. Um, this changed everything for you, it sounds like. It, it, did, it did change everything. Uh, you know, at that point in my career, I was a top sales producer of the company I was worth with Oracle, and I was doing well there. I was also head of security for a gentleman named Tony Robbins, if you ever heard of Tony Robbins. And mm-hmm. so I was traveling with Tony, basically supporting his mission. And part of the backstory, the backstory, which a lot of people don't know, is the only person that called me in the hospital that night was Tony Robbins. Now, I tell people, yes, he's got the resources to track people down. He's, I mean, yes, he's got those resources to find people, right, if he needs to. Right. But no one from my company called, but he did. So, you know, that also gave me some, some sort of impetus to say, you know what, I, I owe it to other people to do something different with my life. You know, I mean, he, he impacts people's lives all the time. And I was always wondering, how could I do it? Maybe this was the opening. So he sort of gave me that push a little bit to do mm-hmm. that opening. But, uh, you know, I think back what you just said about a miracle. And, and I was um, listening to a sermon last week, and it was about, you know, Jesus going up and being brought by Mary and, and uh, you know, to the altar for his circumcision time. And Simeon, right, was doing his thing. And he used the word, you know, amazed, right, in the Bible. It was amazed or translated astonished. Mm-hmm. And the, the preacher said, this is what Dave Sanderson experienced as part of a miracle. It, miracles are astonishing to people, but they happen all the time. You just don't pick it up, right? So I happen to be involved with a very high-profile miracle, which, which has helped me. But uh, you know, I think being able to impact other people's lives has been the biggest change because of the, my way of opening up my worldview. We already talked about that, not judging people and allowing people to come into my life that I probably would have never, I would have stopped before because I wouldn't, they wouldn't have been fit my model of my world. So you would have just shut yourself off from it. Not even knowing that you were doing it. That's right. And I did that. I know thousands of times in my life, everybody's done it thousands of times in their life, right? Because you have your own sort of way things are happening. That's what's happening in the country now, right? We're seeing so many people are divided because they're already shut, shut down because, <laughs> okay, I don't agree with that person because of this view I'm shutting it down where I tell people really nothing has changed at this point is the media and everything else telling you things, but you take things at face value, you know, we all have a common interest, right? And so I don't judge anybody anymore. I, now I used to judge people on their political views, right? But now it's like, oh, you know, yeah. what? They, they have their own views, right? I appreciate it. I may not agree with them, but I'm not going to shut them out of my life because of that. Because if I've done that, you know, 50% of the people in this country, I'm not even can have, have the opportunity to impact. Right. Shutting yourself off from right. it. Not even realizing that you were doing so. Right. So this experience opened up a whole new world for you and different brand new opportunities have come into your life as a result of that, that maybe were there before, but you didn't even see them or make yourself available to them. Yeah, I think this is my own part perspective is God gives people pathways, opens up pathways for people. Mm-hmm. Take them, you don't take them. And maybe all these times he was opening those pathways up and I was just shutting them down because I couldn't see the bigger picture. And all of a sudden this bigger picture arrived, you mm. know, and all of a sudden it's like, okay. So it hit me over the head. It's like, okay, I've got to give you something visual 
I'll give you something visual. And this, I think he opened this up for everybody because all of a sudden people are watching this and people are, this is a message of hope for people, right? Because nothing mm-hmm. was really going well that time in 2009. I mean, the economy was in the gutter. Everything was going bad. People were negative. And all of a sudden, I think God said, here's a miracle. I'm going to show you what a miracle is about. I'm going to do it in the busiest city in the world at the busiest time of the day of the world, mm-hmm. which is rush hour during New York City. Right. And I think he, I think this is my, my belief, whether you believe it or not. I think he had, he, he said, this is a miracle. I'm going to show you now, what are we going to do with it? And also people started talking about hope and people said, you know what? Maybe there's miracles still going on out there. And I just have to open my eyes up that there are miracles all around right. me all the time. Maybe I'm shutting things down. I mean, I need to open it up. And that's part of my messaging is it's all that we talked about, but cultivating my messaging, cultivating personal leadership. How do you, you know, because you can't lead anybody else until you lead yourself. And all these things that you start learning is like, you know, maybe I'm not growing as much as I need to because of that, because I'm shutting things down. Maybe I need to work on my own leadership, my own, how to be a better team member, relationships, my mindset, all these things that is about personal leadership. And that's, mm-hmm. what I really, that's what I'm really talking about now. Personal leadership. That's where it starts, isn't it, Dave? Most definitely. I think so many people want to talk about how to lead a team. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of people who think they can lead a team. They're managers, but they're not right. leaders because they don't have, they don't set the mission. They don't understand the mission. They don't set the mission. They don't live to the mission. They don't live to that principle. And I think that was really brought to me when I had the opportunity to, to escort General Norman Schwarzkopf years ago. He talked, I had a chance to talk to him about the mission. And he basically told me that's how he managed the war. Uh, hmm. is he every day he'd come to this troop because he said every day his troops would come to him you know they have the women couldn't you know drive tanks in saudi arabia they had to cover their faces they had to pray five times a day and he kept reminding the troops that the mission of this is kicking saddam out of kuwait that's it that's all we're going to focus on he said once he saw people getting focused on the mission everything started going into place for him and i said that's yeah. a great lesson for me in leadership personal leadership likewise set the mission and stick to the mission Right. And one of the things I heard from Stephen Covey, and I heard it also in a sermon, is keep the main thing the main thing. Right. And Covey used to say right. that all the time, but now I've heard in a, in a minister's perspective is the main thing's Jesus, right? In his world. Mm-hmm. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and everything will be fine in your life. And that's that's sort of my part of my mission, likewise, in personal leadership. Keep the main thing the main thing. You know what, Dave, that just reminded me. I, I spent the day yesterday with a good friend of mine, Art Coombs. He wrote a book called Don't Just Manage, Lead. Right. And, and he pointed out the same thing that you're saying here, that the difference between a manager and a leader, a, a leader helps to inspire people to see the why, right. to, to understand what is the great purpose behind this whole thing. And when you understand the why, you can figure out a lot of the how. I think what you're saying about personal leadership is that we get to be really clear ourselves about the why, about what is the most important thing here or set of things, you know, and usually it's not things, it's, it's principles, it's people. That's a great, great distinction because one of the things I used to do in business, I still do in business, is and people could never understand how I would get into the C-suite in my company. And I said, well, I, I'd ask a different level of question. And the questions I'd ask them to get in, these are some of the lessons I teach is what's most important to you, but most importantly, what has to happen for you to realize that? See, all of a sudden, I start realizing what's important, but what has to happen is that all of a sudden their values come out. 
And if I can speak to their values, now I'm speaking to their heart, and now I have a different relationship. You know, you might be talking technology. I'm talking about what's what's important in the heart, right? And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I'm in the C- CEO suite, and you're sitting down at the uh, manager suite. That's the difference between a leader and a manager, right? If they're living the heart, the mission. And that's why you got to look at a bigger picture. And I, I had knew my mission, but it, I had clarity on my mission once this happened to me. And that clarity has has driven you this past decade. We're coming up on 10 years since this happened. Yeah, we're in the ninth, ninth year. We'll be here pretty soon. And now we'll be in the 10th year within a week or so. So most definitely. Have you already. ever pondered, Dave, where, where you would be if this had not happened? I have. I, I, I'd still be working at an Oracle. I'd still be selling technology. I would never have impacted the people I've had the impact. I'd be going now, and I'd probably still be, you know, scheduling business before family, which would have damaged a lot of relationships, my personal relationships and my family. So I mean, this, there's so many things, reason this happened to me. Um, and that's probably the biggest change is my way I prioritize my time. It just occurred to me, Dave, and this is weird, but you know what? Some things are weird. Some things are weird. It occurred to me that maybe your life was saved by a plane crash. Most definitely. It's, I, I have a ministry here. I, I, was, I was given sort of like that eye-opening experience, right? When Jesus goes to the mountains, says, go around the world, right? And share, this, share the message. And that's why he sent all the disciples out to Samaria, Judea, and the world, and the Holy Spirit will fill you. So I think mm-hmm. that's what happened to me that day. Yeah. It's a paradox, isn't it? I'm thinking of something else I learned from the Bible. If yep. you lose your life, you'll find it. Yep. It'll come to you. You just got to be open to it and don't shut things off. And so don't shut people out. Mm-hmm. It's that movie, The Shack, right? But also people coming into your life. You don't know why, but they're supposed to be in your life for a reason. Wow. This is good stuff, man. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Um, what if we could apply this principle? Any of you who are listening, just think about what it is in your own life, you know, where you're saying, oh, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, right? And maybe if we could be open to this idea that this yep. is exactly how it should be now, what can we do with this? And find the miracles because yep. they're hidden out there sometimes. Sometimes, I mean, a plane crash, how could that be a miracle? Well, it's obviously a miracle when everybody survives. Right. Right? But sometimes it's not that obvious. No, There's still a obvious. miracle hidden in there. Right. And, and I, I just reminded me, when, we were talking a little bit about when I experienced Good Morning America. There was a passenger who was there with us that day after the interview, and he came in very upset, and I would say enraged. Because he came in and said, I lost my job. I'm losing my, my family. And I'm going to get divorced. This has been a horrible experience for me. I, I never want to see you people again. And we're sort of looking at each other like we all survived. But then I started thinking about, hey, I don't know his backstory. But then this sort of, when I, I talk about post-traumatic growth syndrome, how do you grow from a traumatic life event? That's my TED talk. I talk about it, I write about it, is maybe is all the meaning he attached to it. Right. Yeah. And you can change. You can reframe anything in your life if you change the meaning you're attached to it. Maybe it's one of the lessons I was sharing with the audience is some of the meanings you've attached to things are probably the lousy meanings. And that's the reason you get lousy results. Right. Ah. Reframe yeah. the meaning. Right. Ask yourself a different level of question. You know, how or what? What if? How? You know, instead yeah. of saying it is instead of closing the question. 
And that one thing in my TED Talk, I think really shifted a lot of people when they hear my TED Talk. Right. That is so powerful, Dave. And really, it, it comes down to a choice because you don't know. I mean, think about it. You don't know what the absolute meaning of this thing is. So you have to pick a position about that. Yep. And as you choose one that inspires joy and growth and happiness, your life gets better. Yep. Life is transformed. And that was my TED Talk is you can grow from a traumatic life experience. And if you get clarity of your mission, your life is then transformed. And then you can transform other people's lives. And that comes back to cultivating your own personal leadership. Right. Well, Dave Sanderson, you're transforming lives today at Live On Purpose Radio. How can people find you? Where's the best place to connect with Dave well, Sanderson? Well, thank you very much. The best way is my website at Dave Sanderson Speaks. And there you go. And they can, they can get in contact with me or send me a note. Because I don't have a PA right now, personal assistance. They can get right to me directly. So that's number one. But they can check me out on Facebook on Dave Sanderson Speaks. That's where I sort of give my some of the lessons, like some of the strategy stuff we've been talking about. Or Twitter, Dave Sanderson, too, is basically where I want to be and stuff like that. But on LinkedIn, I share these lessons, these business lessons. So if you want a, more of a business perspective of taking out a teamwork, leadership, persistence, faith, sensory at least it's more on LinkedIn. But what I'm really excited about, Dr. Paul, is I just started this last week on Alexa. Uh, and I was very I was honored to be, be selected and also approved to do my own daily briefing. So if you go on and have an Alexa product, you can go on my website and see it under, under my blog. But Go to have Alexa product, go Dave Sanderson declassified. And what I do on this for five minutes a day, I'll take somebody who's a top producer and I will dissect something about them, whether it's about being prosperous in your life or leadership. And I'll just take that, take a break it down and declassify the stuff that people you know, think, how can this person get it? I'll declassify for you in five minutes on a daily basis. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely amazing insights. Um, and you're sharing these. So Dave Sanderson speaks.com and it. then all the social media links and everything that they can connect to there. Yep. Most definitely. Wow. Dave, thank you so much for your appearance today at live on purpose radio and for those insights you've shared with us. Well, thank you very much. And I, if, if I like to go off your, your audience, something, and you know, I, what I found is I've traveled around the country this last year. So many people are in pain especially mm -hmm. youth. So uh, I have a new course coming up. I want to offer your, your listeners a free first video of my course. It's called Overcoming Adversity in Challenging Times. So they text ah. 797979 and put the brace, the number four impact. They'll get this first video. It's a 13 minute video I did about how to overcome adversity in challenging times. It's more for, I did it more for youth, candidly. Because the youth right now are a lot of questioning why is this going on and they know how to handle it because they never had to handle anything. And so um, that came out of a conversation on my dad's deathbed. And, and uh, he basically told me um, he was dying. He said, yeah, he grew up in a depression. And, you know, they got through it, right? It's all about the mindset. And I said, so I take take that and uh, part of the uh, my video. So it's my gift to, uh, to your audience. They check it oh, out. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. So that's the text, the number 797979. And then the, and the content of the text is brace the number, number four. four. Impact. Impact. We're trying. And then they'll get that for free. They'll get it for free. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for having me today. Folks, you've got it. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about that other than it's time. Go out and live on purpose. <laughs>